0: Welcome
1: to the weirdthings.com podcast. I'm Andrew, Mayne, and joining me is Mr. Justin Robert Young.
0: Hi everybody.
2: Mr. Brian Brushwood. I did not prepare a proper comment. Well, this is going to go I there was made forever.
0: Painstakingly obvious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Couldn't even just say hello. Nope. Yeah. You had to get meta on the fact that you actually had no way to greet everybody.
0: Is there no end to this post-ironic hipster movement?
1: No, no there's not. Gentlemen, he recurses eternally. I have in front of me a copy of the Book of the Damned, the collected work of Charles Fort, with an introduction by Jim Steinmeier. All right. It's a hefty book. Charles Fort spent his life collecting all sorts of odd, I don't know, what do we want to say, ephemera. Charles Fort.
2: Or, or maybe you might say he collected a great number of weird things.
1: Um, yeah, you can say that, too. Sure. Or you could say that, uh, as Jim Steinmeier says, Charles Fort is the man who invented the concept of the supernatural, collecting these stories that seem to fit outside of what we would consider modern science, or science at all. Now, Some of these are perhaps the not the most uh, credible stories, perhaps, not the most rigorously investigated, yet they are very, very interesting. They're the sort of thing that we look for at weird things. And I have, in the middle of this book... Here, another document. And on here, I have a list of items, questions I'm going to throw to you guys. Things pulled from the headlines, things from the fringe, things I'm going to ask you guys to ponder and to give me your soul searching answers to.
0: I've never been more ready in my entire life,
2: Brian. I I think I was more ready, but it was for a different podcast than this one. <laughs> well, this is the one you're stuck with.
1: <laughs>
2: so, Justin, we'll
1: start with you.
0: Let's rock.
1: You're a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And your specialty is helping people with sleep disorders, which is a chronic problem that plagues many, many, many people in this country. Yeah. Probably at least two-thirds of this podcast, I'm sure.
0: Sure. Yeah, and as we've already gone over, I have my passion is in sleep disorders. As a sleepwalker in my past,
1: there you go. So you have a patient you're trying to treat. Young woman who's not sleeping well at night. Mm. That's why she's your patient. Sleeping well, you know, that'd just be malpractice. So you're asking her. Just you go through a list of questions. You know. What time do you go to bed? How much television do you watch? What do you eat? How late do you eat? How early do you get up? What do what you do you, on weekends? What are you
0: wearing when you, when you go to sleep?
1: That would be an appropriate question in this context. <laughs>
0: I'm a doctor, goddammit. I need yeah. to do my medical investigation.
1: <laughs> now, you have a routine list of questions you ask, and you're just going through the list. But let's say that for some reason your patient goes off tangent a little bit and happens to mention somebody named Simon. Simon, Simon, your brother or sister or somebody mm-hmm. else, or sister named Simon, you know, somebody who lives in the house, a house guest, and she's like, sort of. What do you mean? Who is this Simon? Simon's the ghost in the house. Hmm. So now you have a patient with a sleep disorder who explains a part of it may due to the fact that there is a ghost in the
0: house. All right. Well, now, can I ask you, this? is she a little nutty? Like, is she, like, a regular, you know, regular lady? Or is she, like, like Nell, who's, like, making up her own languages and is prone to nonsense like this? Well, she's 11
1: years old, and you turn to the father who is in the session with you and probably looked at you just slightly upset when you asked in your leering way what she wore to sleep.
0: Yeah, well. And you <laughs> ask him. Tell you what, wish I had that one back. You know what?
1: You ask him about Simon. <laughs> And he goes, oh, yeah, Simon the ghost. Simon's the ghost that lives in the house. And your first question is, was somebody murdered in the house? Like, no, no, Simon was just somebody who lived there before. Apparently, you can move from a house and leave a ghost behind there from this story.
2: Wait, so so Simon didn't even die. He just, his body left and oopsie forgot his hat, I mean, soul?
1: Well, here's the problem, Brian. This comes from Psychology Today, where we have a story written by one of the columnists there explaining how this thing came up in talking to one of his patients and the fact that, you know, the family brought up the fact that they believed Simon was a ghost living in the house. And it really kind of just sort of ends there. It just talks about how later on he got to find out more about Simon. And then it just sort of ends in like, and that's why it's good to know who the
2: family is. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, uh, well, actually, this is Justin's question, so I'll wait patiently. No, no,
0: no! Listen, I've, I've actually, I've paged you from down the hall as my, uh, my, my consulting oh. uh, physician here. Yeah. You're
1: like, you like, you page your intern, Brian. You're like, you gotta
0: hear this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it seems to me like nutty idea. If I'm an 11 year old, and uh, my parents start talking, oh, by the way, kiddo, there's a ghost in your room. Sleep tight. I might develop a sleeping disorder.
1: Yeah, I I think we may have found a cause for the sleeping disorder. One of the things I'm curious about is that I'm surprised by the the writer's total lack of, or their total amount of dispassion for the fact that here you have a child and an adult claiming there's a ghost in the house. I don't think the sleep disorder is really the big problem here.
0: Ho-hum, another (laughs) ghost is keeping a little girl up, blah, 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 blah.
1: And there's no like, well, I followed it up. I did an investigation, this or whatever. Nope, just oh, I found out a little bit more about Simon, and that's the end of it. I was, and I put this on WeirdThings dot com as a very disappointing ghost story.
0: <laughs> it just goes to say we don't mess around with the headlines on on WT dot com, man. We are we are no joke.
1: So my question is, uh, Justin, yeah, you think it's the duty, the responsibility of this man to perhaps pursue it a little bit more to? Maybe politely challenge the family's belief or investigate and perhaps seek out proof of this because there's a ghost. There's not a ghost. Now, the argument I'm going to give you this could be, well, if you believe it to be true, then that's important enough, which I think is really not a good argument.
0: No, no, it's not. Listen, the job that he was hired by or that I am hired by by this uh, father, you know, the father of this 11 year old girl. (laughs) Is criminally
1: sure negligent father, hiring you. But go might, ahead. Might
0: he be? The check's clear. <laughs> all right, and let's not uh, you know fool ourselves on what pays the rent in this doctor's office. What, what keeps the dishes filled with candy suckers? Uh, you know, it's the money from this father. And uh, I'm just gonna say that the, my job is to make sure that this little girl gets to sleep. So, just ending on because they, they didn't even say that he solved the problem in there. You're just like, oh, well, we got to learn about no, Simon. But-
2: no, no. He well, he solved it in the same way as if as if it was like. And we found out she was staying awake because a squirrel kept hitting on the window. I mean, he, he what, solved the problem. What, the problem is there's there's Simon. Well, actually, Simon
1: wasn't necessarily keeping her awake. Simon was just sort of this little side note of what was going on in the house.
0: Oh no, but but I mean, like, if you're a doctor, you're supposed to know where things connect. Like Brian pointed out that maybe, and let's just say whether it be. Uh, the father is telling lunatic ghost stories about how Simon (laughs) rattles up and down the stairs, and that's keeping this terrified little girl up, or that there is a specter just jingling and jangling through the house, you have to, as a doctor, uh, identify these things and see if they connect. And in my fake professional medical opinion, I would say, absolutely, (laughs) this is something that we need to investigate. And I would lean toward Brian's hypothesis That this guy is a complete nutter. He's lying to his little girl and he's terrifying her. And some way or another, I, as a doctor, need to help her get to sleep, the little girl. So I think we definitely need to investigate it.
2: Brian? On the other side, on the other side, you know, in my cartoon, way detached from reality, know absolutely nothing about it point of view, it seems like the sciences sort of have you know, some kind of face-off as to who's more hardcore in their science. And in all the science face-offs of who's the purest, you know, math up yours, science, physics, uh, psychology doesn't usually ring in at the number one spot there. You know, some people perceive psychology, I believe I've heard the term soft science associated with it. This man is a, a medical doctor too, which if we're just any garden
1: variety psychologist, Gosh, you know anything would get well, that- into it. We're gonna leave this at saying that we're gonna leave this at saying that we're pretty unsatisfied by the lack of rigor in this doctor and pursuing and trying to at least maybe get the odd get the the family to entertain the idea that maybe it's not real.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes. Listen, we are definitely saying that when you drop you double drop. It wasn't just the kid said, By the <laughs> way, there's a ghost, and he nods once, then the dad says, By the way, did you hear the part where she said there's a ghost? And he nods twice, and then you move on to the next subject. Yes, I'm calling medical malpractice on this one. That he did not flinch. That was a flinch test, is what that <laughs> was, and he failed. For shame. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: On to our next item here, Brian. Uh-oh. Would you define yourself
2: as a man of science? You know, I would define myself as a fan of science, okay. which rhymes with what you said. So I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> what I
0: think Brian has the big foam finger. This is when science are... number one.
1: <laughs> in the in the foam cowboy hat for no reason. Yeah. Just with you know, beer cans on either
2: side.
0: Brian. Yeah, he, has, he has the periodic Adams. tables painted on his chest.
2: <laughs> so, Brian. Me and, like, eight friends were the noble guests.
1: <laughs> Brian, fan of science. What is the limit to your belief? What is your limit to how you have your scientific outlook? At what point do you get pushed to that point where you're like, you know what, I'm a little uncomfortable by this?
2: That's interesting. So you're talking about, like, at what point do I... Stop wanting to extrapolate based on empiricism or... What's your fear? Like, do you have any phobias or superstitions or taboos? Oh, yes. No, here's the thing. I totally don't believe in ghosts. However, I still, as a male in his mid-30s, will put the covers over my head in the middle of the night when I think sufficiently scary thoughts about them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally scared. I'm, I'm not, this is not even a lie. I'm not kidding you. I want the, uh, I want the, from the Farside cartoon, I want the monster snorkel so I can breathe comfortably underneath my covers as an adult who is, does not believe in ghosts but will still put the covers over his head.
1: If you were very curious, take yourself back to the early part of the 19th century. You're a young man. And this is an age of science. It's kind of a new concept. Natural philosophy is blossoming now, and great minds are publishing all sorts of fantastic papers and sort of ideas are just flowing fast and free. It's the Enlightenment, and it's become okay to challenge certain things. Let's imagine you are an inquisitive young man back in this period. What would be the most challenging thing you think you could do to try and test religion or the supernatural or this sort of paranormal realm?
2: When you say, like, the most challenging, you're talking about physically challenging or emotionally challenging or socially challenging? Culturally
0: challenging, I think. uh, Walk walk
2: into a room and test. Wow. Um,
1: Is there anything you would not do? If I said, Brian, there's a room there. I want you to go into this room and do X.
2: You'll be totally by yourself. Is there just about anything you wouldn't do? Man, around that time, I'm going to be very uncomfortable uh, getting naked. Or, or looking at naked, what, or what maybe too much testing? leg. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Brian's <laughs>
1: Brian's testing some other aspect of his personality. That
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're we on the thinking, list of like, thinking, hey, there are some very rigid cultural <laughs> norms that I cannot challenge by science. And among them, first, I, I, <laughs> I am, I am going to call streaking to the table. I will solve this riddle.
2: Brian, would you I'm saying would, look it's it's the eighteen hundreds and this is Victorian time period. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, that's part that's part of what made Houdini so ribald and popular was that as part of his I shit, he would be like Hey, you know I don't know. You'd be like, I'm going to escape. And so, you know, I'm not cheating. I'll be mostly naked, but it's for science. All right. Calm down. And I'm just saying, you know, that's going to, that's a tough cultural norm to overcome. Brian, nobody's asking you to get naked. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> Stop <laughs> okay, bringing good. it up. What are you asking? I don't know really why you put that in there, but
1: would you, I don't know, try <laughs> to do a satanic prayer, summon the devil, offer your soul? Would you do anything like that?
2: Oh, no, dude, I'd be too terrified. Did you miss the part with the monster snorkel? All right, well. Come on. Whether or not it's real, it's just like, you know, uh, like, I remember, you you know, what's funny is,
0: I, huh? Like, I mean, and and granted, I tell you, you wouldn't do a satanic prayer now.
2: No. Really? No, no. I wouldn't do a Cthulhu prayer. I wouldn't do a Baal prayer. Well, there is a, uh, one of the ways in which
1: people believe that you do a prayer to Satan is you basically say the Lord's Prayer backwards.
0: Hmm. But you have to do handle. it naked.
1: No, it, <laughs> sky-clad is what they call
2: in that terminology. Ah, gentlemen, okay, sky-clad. sorry, sorry. What? So, Brian, you absolutely would not. No, I, and, and I'm saying this not as a hypothetical 18th century person, but as a very physical adult in the new millennium, I will not. Justin?
0: God, yeah. I mean, uh, granted, like, I, I don't know how I would do it. I've done it. Yeah, please. Well, that's what I used to do. Like in, in uh, high school, as soon as I realized that people kind of like believed in souls and stuff like that, like I sold my soul to so many people for free things. It's not even funny. I oversold my soul like five, hate. six, seven times like for movies that and is popcorn? fraud and that
2: is not funny okay well
0: too bad suckers <laughs> hey listen i i made no guarantees i might have sold a lemon soul but uh you know you were,
2: you were the federal reserve of souls I was, you just kept printing new ones like
0: hey man i'm waiting in line to watch the phantom menace really don't want to go get any popcorn hey buddy you want my soul <laughs> all right Hook it anyway, up,
1: double butter. You, you got the wrong end of that deal. Yeah, no, Andrew, yeah, yeah,
0: you have no problem, you're... right? You're with me on this one. Brian's being not. a total, you know, puss in boots. Yeah.
2: No, I'll, look, all I'm saying, look, it's not a question of belief. It's a question of being chicken, and I'm chicken, <laughs> so there's that. I mean, I don't get, I don't understand what the conflict
0: Dude, is. Dude, but what about, all right, so forget about, you know, it being, you know, something that you're really scared of. What about it also being so totally metal? Like, you're telling me you can't okay. you can't have, be that hard. Now, let me tell you.
2: That's what you got to... No, no, no. You got to trick me into it. Yeah. You be like, hey, sing this badass metal song. Hey, let's, and let's sing listen it. Some, I'll do it Let's listen to some came Diamond, guys. Come on. <laughs> no, totally. You get me up karaoke-ing, and you're like, you know, us day, this bread daily, shall not want, and it's like, yeah, let's go. Brian, the reason I bring this up
1: is we had an article about Charles Babbage, father of the difference... In the modern computer, a genius by just about any measure you could look at a man. When he was a young boy, he was born in something like 1891, what have you, uh, excuse me, 1791. He was very curious about religion and belief. And one of the first things he did when he was something like 10 years old is he talked to all the other little boys and found out what they knew about Satan and how you invoke the devil. And so he went into a room. And lit some candles, did the Lord's prayer backwards, and did all that, and tried to summon the devil—not to sell his soul because he wasn't really didn't want anything, but just to meet Satan. He wanted to see if the devil would appear in either the form of like a black crow, a cat, or what have you, and tried to do as much as he could scientifically to try and bring about the devil.
2: And apparently, by the way, you're saying by you're saying bring about the devil. It sounds to me like he's trying to do as much as he can to annoy the devil this sounds like ding dong ditching 17th century style well it's trying to get a meet and greet
0: yeah and also are we completely ignoring the fact that a little boy tried to find the devil and then later invented the modern computer like if if, if there ever is a textbook case of selling your soul for greater glory isn't this it staring (laughs) us right in the face well that's
1: mentioned in the post (laughs) so no we're not ignoring
0: that well all right
1: In your face, Justin
0: Robert.
1: (laughs) Screw up. But of course, Justin, here is my here's the thing I didn't put in there. Imagine being the devil in eighteen oh one and trying to describe to Babbage what it is you're going to give him. Okay, it's like this machine. What kind of machine? What's a machine? (laughs) You know? Yeah, we're adding and
2: subtracting sums. It's like, look, listen, kid, you'll grow up, you'll have the like most bitchin' beard of anyone you know. And it's like, yes. All right, all right, I'm
1: listening course, and I think most of Babbage's photos, he doesn't have a
2: beard. But that's okay. That's okay. No, he totally does, because I went to Babbage's, and that's where I got all my Sierra online games.
1: I stand corrected by your— In your friend. face, Andrew!
2: Woo!
1: <laughs> all I ask is anybody to do, listening to this, anybody who hears the sound of my voice, just go do Charles Babbage and do a Google image search, and please find for me the photo that Brian's talking about where he has a beard.
2: He doesn't have a beard?
1: Maybe I'm thinking of Charles Darwin.
2: (laughs) I might might be thinking of Charles Darwin. Hmm.
1: I have another question for you, gentlemen. Rock and roll. It's very topical, but ironically this was a post that we had ready to go up and then the events of today by the people listening to this, the events of what happened was, you know, the story about the little boy who went up into the balloon and it turned out he didn't go up in the balloon. And I think Justin thinks there's going to be more to fall out from that because there's just a lot of suspicious things going this on. Guys, there. But,
0: this dad, the dad's a liar. Andrew might not want to say it. I'll say it. The dad's a filthy liar. We're, we're all going to find it out.
1: Well, this is a guy that claims that this was not just a balloon. It was his uh, flying device and it used electricity to control. Them. And there's there's a whole field of aerodynamics that do that with, but he's just making some very strange, odd claims, and he's been on reality TV, so what more do we need to say? And
0: he named his little boy Falcon. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool.
2: Dude. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of nutty names. If we had a boy, if we had a boy, it was decided. It was going to be Baxter Thunder Brushwood. (laughs) It's probably probably good that we ended up having a girl. But I'm just saying, let's not be hating on crazy names.
1: True that. True that. So, what would you call somebody who pilots any kind of airship in the 19th century? Particularly since in the 19th century, you only really had three kinds of vehicles that you could take into the air.
2: What, what do you call? Yeah, yeah, them? yeah. officially, total yeah. badass, Baxter Thunderbrush. There you go. <laughs> That's what you would have called them.
1: But back <laughs> then, you had you had kites. It was theoretically possible for somebody to go up in there in a kite. You had a glider, and then you had balloons. People back then were called aeronauts. Anybody went into the air? Because, again, forget about space, just the air. In the 19th century, you're an aeronaut.
0: Yeah, Which, I mean, that was so totally yeah. badass. Like, that was, like, the way to move from one place to another. Because you can conceive. you see birds just flying around, mocking you all day, you can get up there and just go from town to town in some sort of vessel. I mean, that's, that's like, so, so mind-blowingly incredible of a frontier to conquer.
1: So here's my question. Brian... I send you an email. Justin, I send you the same email. All right. Meet me. But later. Meet me at the warehouse Saturday. Sure. And Brian, you happen to be in town, what have you. Right. We go towards, we go to the warehouse area where we have the, uh, the eye tricks and the weird things HQ. And I walk you guys down eight doors to another warehouse that Justin is surprised and yet not surprised to find out that I've rented that out to and have embarked upon some sort of secret project. Right? True or false, Justin?
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I'm both surprised and yet equally not surprised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you walk inside the first office and you see sketches everywhere, right? Some of them are like done with detailed pen and computer printing and whatnot. Some look like they were just these 5 a.m. feverish scratchings. You see strange electronics and whatnot all around you. Say, I've been working on something. It's been a project for several years. I think I finally figured it out. I open up another door. You look inside the warehouse bay. and There you see before you some sort of airship taking up almost the entire bay. It's yeah. sleek. It's silver. It's perhaps semi-buoyant. You touch it. I say, go ahead, touch it. You, go up and you touch it.
0: You're impressed. This is I'm modern impressed.
1: day, I'm not not no. back in the day. No. This is this is Saturday. This is two days from now. Wow. All right. You look at I it. Got to make it, it down to the warehouse. And you're like, hey, you know, wow, this is, is this a dirigible. I'm like, well, sort of. It's it's involves that kind of technology, but I don't need anywhere near as much helium to support it. And there's some engines on it, whatever, some propellers, and it's got a cool cabin. It looks badass. This thing looks pretty cool. All right. Have you noticed? And you're like, all right. Does it have a racing stripe?
2: It's it's all silver. It's just magnificent. All right.
0: Does it look like like, like the flight of the Navigator ship?
2: Oh, phase one or phase three? Because there was the different marks that uh, uh, you could be in. Yeah, the the sleek phase. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's
0: yeah. It's pretty much pretty much what it yeah. looks yeah. like, right? There's awesome. only yeah.
1: ship main. And I'm like, all right, guys impressed you're like yeah you'd be impressed you'd be impressed this is amazing okay. and it's also did i mention that it's hovering there
2: yeah all right oh, of course okay it's hovering there does does it melt down for steps like Planet of the navigator <laughs> not, can we just just call it all, the right, Planet all right all right come airship? on now
0: you're getting ridiculous brushwood yeah, well wow, let's rail this deal. in am sorry reality. all right okay so no it, all right it, it's all right.
1: clearly a airship it's not based on some sort of alien technology it's, it's maybe you know there's some innovations that I put into, there's some things that I've just sort of thought, this is what the next evolution's going to be. There, there, you look at this and go, this is pretty cool. This is pretty It's smart. advanced, it's but advanced. not alien. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, listen, I hobble over on my crutches and I point out, I forgot to mention that I'm on crutches at this point Oh, right now. okay. Full cast. <laughs> <laughs> Minor, thigh, okay, go ahead. Ankle all the way up to the thigh, right? Justin was never quite clear in the details of the accident. He just got a call from me you know, one day, from two days. Hey, I need you to pick me up on the hospital, and Anyhow, I take you guys over here, and you see this. I said, "Look, it's ready to fly. It's ready to go." There's only one
2: problem. So you need legs to fly. I'm like,
1: only one of us gets to go up in it. I wanted all three of us, but I didn't have time to make one that could fit three of us. Only one of us gets to go, and as you can see, the leg.
0: So it's down to me or Brian.
1: Yep.
2: Who's gonna go? So. Uh, so it's like. I say we go by by height of hair. No, all right. In no, I order.
0: say we go by length of beard. Uh,
2: <laughs> I say we go by falseness of memories of Charles Babbage's beard. <laughs> so the idea being that there's a fight between you because you both equally want
1: to get. All a- right, well here, yeah, no, let, let right? me let me
0: ask some questions, Mad Scientist. Uh, wait, wait,
1: before you start with your questions, Mr. FAA. I might understand you both are eager to try this out.
0: God, yes. Well, yes.
1: Okay. okay. You said it looks like the – yeah,
2: dude. Okay. You're the one who said it had a racing stripe. Yeah. Justin, go with your question.
0: All right. my my, I mean, like, are there any physical requirements to it? Like, is there anything that, like, you would be able to narrow physically who would be a better uh, person to operate this experimental flight craft?
1: No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's got an
2: iPhone app to help you run it. It's, it's easy.
0: All right, then here, and it's it's yeah. at this point that I... I say
2: we go with whoever owned the most iPhones then mm, and had cracked at least one.
0: Well, I, it's at this point that I say, uh, did you guys hear that knocking at the door? And then when everybody turns their heads, I scamper over to the flying machine, hop in and abscond with it, out into the sweet margate air.
1: So the fact <laughs> that I have a, a broken leg head. hasn't bothered you? <laughs> And no, like, I'll just I'll well. just assume
0: that you screwed it up somehow. And I'm like,
1: and you're like, and I'm like, hold on a second, I gotta get something. And I walk outside and I go to another warehouse, which you didn't know that I opened. And I'm like, no, you can't go inside of there. <laughs> and,
2: oh man, these, is this is this part of the story? Is that true? Um, it's actually
1: not a, any specific story, but we do have an item we're going to be putting up, which uh, we found a number of items looking up. And again, this is funny because I was doing most of this research before this thing happened today about all these different misadventures with airborne vehicles. We have a story we're going to put up about – it's a great headline. Air Force wants to speak to man about UFOs in his garage. Awesome. And it basically, they went to some warehouse or some garage that some man had, and they found a bunch of UFOs or some sort of air vehicles in, in various states of falling apart. Now, is that a
2: crime? Is it against the law to, like, make, like, as your full-time hobby, to make awesome looking, hoax, fake spacecraft that you just repeatedly release out in the local airspace? Well,
1: you have, there is problems as far as putting anything in the air, right? Like, that's the problem.
2: Yeah, there's things about... What about, like, a six-year-old in a balloon?
1: There's things about restricted airspace, and I don't know how it covers as far as ballooning goes, because I know that they do all sorts of Meteorological
2: balloons and all sorts of science fair projects. And if you're making a fraud, it's like you kind of don't want to go too high up in the sky. You want it, it's like if you put the detail into your cool looking fake spaceship, you want it low where everyone can see, you know, the hilarious messages you've written on the bottom. Yeah,
1: I know when I made my first one, we used a fishing pole and a fishing line to keep it so
2: you a hoax superiority again. <laughs> Listen, some of us haven't made awesome freaking spaceships. We don't get to talk about the first one that we did in an <laughs> eye-rolling manner oh like my that. God, all right?
0: Brian, you so got big-timed by the uh, the <laughs> hoax master.
1: Because I want to bring up another story here. I'm finding for you right now a passage that I want to read to you. And doing some research into serpents and these things, we came across an account that was from the New York Times from 1855. And this is how it starts off. Having received this morning very private information, a vague account of the discovery of another sea serpent near our city, we immediately dispatched 17 of our reporters to the spot Having first chartered the exclusive right of the telegraph and eleven locomotives. All
0: right, hold on, a can I comment on two things? Number one, another season. Another. Exactly. This, is, this is a problem. Number two, really, seventeen reporters. This is a massive misallocation of resources.
2: I'd i I'd, I'd, I'd like to chime in on a third moment where it's like it's very important that they have the exclusive going into oh, this. And that on is, top of that, we're the only ones. Those are in quotes. Chartered the
1: exclusive. Again, they want to have the exclusive, and so we we titled this "Live Blogging a Sea Serpent Investigation in 1855," because what follows is a series of, I guess we call them dispatches. They're blow-by-blow accounts of what happened. So, uh, Andrew, they're they're called tweets nowadays. <laughs> That's, you're tweets. Absolutely right. So, as these things happened, they they basically sent back to the HQ every one of these updates. So, two minutes past ten o'clock a.m., serpent's head seen. Struck at one of the party with a stick. Blow missed. Terrible splashing. We presume. LOL. That, yeah. We, <laughs> we presume that one of the people in the party struck the serpent because if it's serpent, I don't think it actually could pick up a stick. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. One o'clock p.m. <laughs> serpent showing himself frequently. Struck at by Z- Zedekai Hornbush. Club hit Zeke Williams. Fight puddle. Very Riley. Apparently. OMG. Yeah, hashtag apparently, crush it. Apparently, a large <laughs> mass of people had gathered to watch this, and this thing's writhing around in a pond or a puddle. And so crowds and crowds have followed this here. Not just the crowd the New York Times dutifully sent there, but just people en masse. This is what you do. Sea serpent water, let's go see this. So 2 o'clock p.m., serpent hit by a boy with a stone. Dove Dove when hit by a triple bellow that sounded as if it came from a neighboring pasture. Rose to surface again, hit by Dutchman. Blood flowing from serpent's nose. Awful scene. Contortions of reptile. Final capture.
2: See twit pick. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we wish. I like the fact that the two guys who first attacked it were named Zedekiah and Zeke. And the mention of a
2: Dutchman.
0: Yeah, apparently they they, <laughs> apparently they only sent uh, in alph- in reverse alphabetical order the reporters who were going to go cover yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: This is uh this is how the empire does its uh does its uh dispatches. It's just like it starts with the bottom of the barrel and goes up from there. And and then, we, you and asked, then
0: we, hold on. And by the way, and listen, and, and I'm and I'm speaking now as a as a graduate in a uh, with a newspaper degree. How is the headline not "We captured a sea monster"? Like if what? they actually captured it.
1: Well, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Is you're reading this, and you're like, wow, sea monster discovery. They've actually kept, not just in, in, in no offense to Charles Fort, where this thing happened somewhere. Here are the details and the story. You're like, wow, they got 17 reporters on the scene. Hundreds, if not thousands of people watch this.
2: this it, is, listen, it's very sweet for you to say, no offense, Charles Fort, but I'm going to say in your face, Charles Fort, that's journalism, baby. Oh yeah.
1: Well, this is 1855. This is, you know, years or four years before Darwin published The Origin of Species and What is a sea serpent, what is a snake. Well the lines were kind of blurry back then. You know, that you have a cladogram of what you think these things are, but you know, prior to that, you know, prior to really understanding how these things fit in compared to each other, you know, one thing could be just as mysterious as another. It's based more on its behavior. So they didn't get into specifics of what it was, but they said it may be of the garter species, which implies a garter snake. And they but they point now, how out how big but How big do those get, though? I, You know, that's just it, is Garter snakes, first in not that big. So I don't know if this was just a much larger kind of snake or some other kind of serpent that was some snake, like a sea snake or something like that. That's where it's a little bit unclear. But they do point out there is no doubt he was in some relation to the serpent that tempted Eve. Quote, as he looks very wicked. <laughs>
2: Well, I think why didn't you come with that to the beginning? That's the New you York Times you're... you buried the lead. Oh, you <laughs>
0: took my phrase. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh You
2: can edit it out. You're going to edit this. Go ahead. What what's
0: that called, Justin? Oh, well, well you bury the lead. Oh, I'm glad I <laughs> thought of that before, Brian. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, come on! This is horrendous journalism, and and that's and that's a person with seventeen people on the byline, apparently nine, You know, fifteen of which are named Z something. Ah, <laughs> uh, Zoltan, Zebediah, Zeke.
1: Well, I like the fact that they consider their duty not only to investigate but to confront and kill the creature.
0: <laughs> yeah, now that's what I like to call citizen journalism. You know, out there in the New York Times done.
1: New York New York Times sits there wondering what it is that they need to do to save the news industry this is what they need to do if New York Times they had was, it if they were they twit- lost their edge you know if they were twittering hey we're gonna we're going on a Bigfoot hunt we got a sighting follow our Twitter updates we would be riveted
2: riveted 7:15 a.m. Harry man killed pretty sure Bigfoot <laughs> yeah. pick attached what
0: well, I mean, Charles crowdhammer
2: chased him out of the forest <laughs> Ariana Huffington <laughs> grabbed a
1: shotgun.
0: <laughs> It was also a descendant because it offered Zeke an apple after it was lying <laughs> in the boat.
1: Zeke was, for some odd reason, wearing nothing
2: but oh, a big leaf. leaf. <laughs> Zeke likes a party. One of the, the hooks for this story is the fact that, isn't it weird that essentially they're doing live blogging? But that just goes to bolster, bolster my point that for all the crying about how newspapers are in troubles nowadays, I, nothing has changed oh, as agreed. far as I can tell. Nothing has changed. Everything's the same. We're just not killing trees so much. Hiring
0: a few less Zs.
1: Only for fun.
2: Yes, and and we've discovered other letters than Z. That's the only other (laughs) thing. No trees and and less Z. (laughs) So, Brian, there is rumors in South Florida of a lake monster.
1: And Justin and I have been toying with the idea of launching an expedition of our own, a Weird Things expedition, to try and seek out the truth.
2: You're talking about hands on, like you and Justin. and a boat. And 15 dudes with the name starts with yeah. Z. Head on out. Justin, and... myself, a raft or a
1: canoe. Maybe uh, one or two of our other friends who have helped us out on in previous
0: investigations. Mm-hmm. Zane. Ziggy. <laughs> Zilly. Zartan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe.
0: <I don't>. So,
1: <laughs> Zardoz. <laughs> <laughs> zaz so zintax Ryan, uh, your thoughts on this Zach's song Ryan is Ryan is Ryan zushwood your, your thoughts on this
2: so. uh look dude uh if yeah I'll change my name to Ryan if that'll get me in on the expedition what do I have to do I want to see a sea monster
1: well we've we've acquired an antique diving suit and helmet
2: you're talking we... about like from Bioshock the old diving belt yes yeah. Yeah. You're going to go down and do a Big Daddy movie? Yeah. We're,
1: we're one of us, perhaps. So any, any things you think we should bring on this expedition? Anything we should do? So we're, the plan is we we know the place where it's supposed to be. One of our friends has a theory as to what it might be. We want to go out there in a We want to try and observe this. We're trying to figure out. We've got a very, very limited budget to build apparatus and technology on that. But I've got some video cameras. We might try and put together an underwater camera. And we're just trying to think of what can we do to try and guarantee that you know we see something. Maybe try some bait, try some different bait at different locations. No, uh,
2: yeah. Here's what you need. First of all, you need a virginal girl. <laughs> you need a couple that fights. Well, you need a black Ryan, dude. Ryan, can you stop being ridiculous?
0: Chick. We're trying to catch a sea monster here. I know. Serious really, suggestions oh, yeah. only.
2: Um, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say. Think. Okay, so okay. In all seriousness, if you're getting equipment, yeah, um, are. if it's a sea monster, it's probably cold-blooded, so probably, yeah, it couldn't hurt, get some thermal imaging equipment, a freaking harpoon for sure, um, anything that glows in the dark, and three pizzas. All right.
1: I mean, Brian, we're, we're serious about this, so we, we've got to do this on sort of a shoestring budget, so I don't know where we get the thermal imager. Um, I, I think I might be able to track down an underwater camera. Um, are you going during day or night? Uh, we're going to find out where the sightings occur and try and go when the conditions are going to be best for viewing.
2: Is that day or night?
1: I don't know yet. We, we're, we're Okay. This is in the preliminary stages.
0: Yeah. All
2: right. First of all, lots of cameras. Lots of cameras because if something does happen, it's going to happen out of the corner of your eye. You're not going to see it, and you're going to be like, oh, I wish we had caught that. And We're going to see lots of footage of, hey, see that thing we almost got See that wicked-looking
1: thing out of the corner of her eye? I don't know. Zeke was too busy practicing (laughs) his club moves.
2: Exactly. Uh, By Jehovah,
0: it is is surely a descendant of the serpent that tempted Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you not agree, (laughs) Zartan? i'm gonna say (laughs) zane zinflix how about you (laughs) can we not come to some consensus so i'm gonna say cameras all you need is cameras all right so we
1: bring some cameras try and get some underwater cameras maybe try some traps with bait Mm. see if we can do that
2: trap well how big is this thing
1: are you gonna trap it for real i don't even i mean hooks with bait
0: yeah
2: okay (laughs) We're gonna go pet guns? it, Brian. Are you gonna bring any, are you We're gonna, gonna, gonna pet any it guns? and give it a name that begins with Z, Brian. <laughs> are you gonna bring guns? Oh. I think you guys are crazy. If this thing's out there, look. By the way, this has gone full circle now, because you guys are going out there. You're saying the Lord's prayer backwards, and you're gonna be shocked when the freaking monster comes out, and you gotta shoot it. Well, you will not have any
1: guns, because yeah, you, know, you
2: didn't think it would I, matter.
1: I, I do have a story. You know, this is not my first sea monster investigation.
0: Ah! Big oh, time! Big
2: time! time! I caught Nessie.
0: Um, well, listen, long story short, Brian, me and Andrew are gonna go out to a lake. We're gonna find ourselves a sea monster. And then one one day in your inbox, you're gonna get a digital picture of me, Andrew, and our new sea monster pal, Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Can <laughs> be our own I, uh, 500 days of summer.
2: I am I am so very jealous that I'm not going to be with you guys on that because I love going on adventures like this. You know the first time I stayed overnight in a haunted house with uh, oh
0: big time big time <laughs> oh, oh
2: haunted
1: house I've... jeez <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh
0: come on. reverse big time the jujitsu <laughs> of big time point main uh,
1: so brian uh. let me ask you something when he had to scrape the blood off the walls because i remember when i had to do
0: that, oh! The, uh, <laughs> oh the hits keep coming
1: In another mind, little story here. Researchers today have announced that by directly manipulating the activity of individual neurons, scientists have given flies memories of bad experiences they never really had. This, <gasps> this was from the October 16th issue of the Journal of Cell. This is huge.
2: This is epic. Yes. This is, um, this is uh, some matrix. I know jujitsu now and all that. That's this is awesome.
1: Well. it's... Kung Fu, but yes. and we, 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 We've we mentioned that in the post, too. But we used as the photo, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting in the chair from Total Recall. Yeah. Gonna can remember for you wholesale. Uh, I, that's what I put the caption there for the-
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've done everything! The theme of this episode is everything Brian ever thinks of. Freaking Andrew's already done!
1: The theme what, of this episode? Me- it's gonna be the theme of your life, yeah. all right? Oh, come on! You're
0: killing me. <laughs> so hold on no brian like you didn't get your haircut from the way that andrew used to wear it
2: well the first time he (laughs) wore it that way yeah (laughs) then i then i saw it the second time i was was a kind of homage
0: thing okay never mind
2: no so you
1: have these scientists these crazy crazy scientists who here have figured out a way to actually go in neuron by neuron would have you stimulate the fly's brain and create this response in this case was the response of a bad experience and Uh, I thought perhaps, you know, is it the bad experience having some, you know, graduate student stick wires into your head?
2: No, the bad experience was finding out that everything you thought was clever was already done by (laughs) someone else. By a better fly.
1: If I were, you see, you know, some people should say I should just polite and go, oh, that's great. But then I think that would be patronizing, which I refuse to do to you because I like you so much. Which could be considered patronizing in of itself. But... Enough of that. So here we have the forefront, this potential technology now to actually wire. Now, they're they're working with flies right now, so this is great potential for flies. But as we know, these things progress. And if you listen to Ray Kurzweil, he points out the fact that uh, Moore's law applies to a lot of things. One of the things Moore's law, this doubling effect applies to brain imaging and the ability to replicate parts of the brain. So every 18 to 20 months, we double the amount of resolution we have for figuring out what the brain is doing, and now here's some direct experimental evidence showing that we can take a brain, a very simple brain, but still we have a lot of things in common with the fly. They can actually implant memories into there directly.
2: What is this awesome, mean? dude?
1: What does this mean for the if if would would you would you take the instant matrix kung fu?
2: Oh, hells yeah, dude. I would take the instant matrix trigonometry. I'd take the instant matrix uh, advanced AP calculus. I'd take the instant matrix graduating from
0: Harvard. Done. Justin? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would take, you know, those kind of boring things. I'd want to do some... Oh, I would take the Yeah, instant, I was about to ask matrix, Brian, uh, where, where are ladies? you going to be using this? Yeah, come on. I would... I would be
2: using it to talk about what I did first on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I want you do the, the, the instant Matrix Andrew's life, and you can just talk all about all the awesome stuff you did before Brian Brushwood.
2: Um, you know what? I'm too big a fan of 1984. I'm just going to wait for Andrew to die and just scribble out his name on all the documents and write my name over it. And go. then as far as history is <laughs> concerned, I was the great one. I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, again, this is like the gene therapy thing. Like I would, I would love to do it no matter what the risk. I mean, obviously I don't want to be the first person to do it, but if this is still an experimental thing, like, yeah, sure. Sign me up. It can only be awesome. And if it's not awesome and I die, I died trying to be the most awesome guy on the planet.
2: god yeah, Look, that, that's some great rhetoric, dude, but it's just like, you know, they put you in and like, by the way, 1% chance of survival. And he reaches over to touch the button. You don't go, all, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Are you totally Doctor Wright stuff at that point? Assuming that
1: it works fine and it's routine, you kind of, kind of wonder though, what does that mean for our personalities? Because all of a sudden, you know, Justin Robert Young is this collection of experiences.
2: When all of a sudden you can just plug all of a that. that is more interesting, and people want to <laughs> hang out with them at parties. <laughs> And hear what he has to say. This would be a tragedy. Exactly. I say, the In ladies my called me back. It sure,
0: uh, it's just a completely <laughs> different life for me. But no, but this but, is like anything else. This is like you know, not everybody can wear a fuzzy hat. Some people can. Some people can. It'd be like that with this. Some people can. Uh, you know, it would work well for them. If all of a sudden the next day they know kung fu, it might not work well for me. You know, there's there's uh, gonna be an evolved culture. I think around something like this where either yeah, your, your like, body compliments like, it or your your life compliments it or it doesn't. The the fuzzy hat's a good analogy because it's
2: like you wear it, and you go to your first couple of parties and you you know, you accidentally, you know, break a couple of skulls, you're like, "You know what? I can't wear this Jujitsu hat." And so you you just get it extracted. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the the thing that kind of concerns me is the idea that,
1: you know, we're all going to go take the kung fu program and we're going to be at a party and I'm going to pull an Andrew on you, and somebody's going to mention something. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I spent three years at a Shaolin monastery studying, had to work my way up from the, the ground to you know, the point that the masters would even teach me. And it was very, very good. I remember this one example, and the guy goes, oh, with the bamboo pole. Yeah, yeah, you know, I told you this. No, dude, we all took the same download.
0: Well, then clearly yeah, we you, didn't, have you, didn't, that. you didn't get the how to hold court at a party download, which everybody yeah, else got.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, look, we already have that. It's called freaking books. It's called biographies. You know, we talk about how we're standing on the shoulders of giants where people have spent their whole life to comprehend the theory of relativity or whatever. And then they write it down in a few succinct, beautiful lines of equations. And <laughs> now that gift is it's given to everyone. And now right now, obviously, it's an in a, it's a um uh, an inefficient way of transferring memories from person to person but we essentially have this one-way telepathy now you're just talking about a more efficient more kick-ass way to do more stuff
0: yeah, we, yeah we, but this is just
2: accelerated learning but brian when we
1: read you know newton's principia uh we're reading the first principia. time
0: you read it oh god oh, oh,
1: we're, we're, big time we're reading principia we're not, a ma- we're not thinking that we actually sat underneath that metaphorical apple tree and got hit
2: in the head and you know, we're – No, look, no, no, the- that's exactly that's what we're the- doing. Look, no, 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 because we got the book, right? And we write <laughs> – the book are the exact words, and what are we doing? We're visualizing the equations and the situations and, and exactly what he describes no, to no, no, realize but- the truth in our but- head. But- and then nowadays – we up it a little bit more. We do – we actually have a, maybe a video representation to make the truth of these things more real. But I mean Brian, I understand you're saying there's no memories associated with it. But no, the point no. Is, wanna, I,
1: I'm saying it's like, okay, have you ever had a dream that you were – was that real or was it a dream? Have you ever had that distant memory as a child that – was that real or was it not or was it a story your parents told you? You know, we have yeah. repressed memory. We have the—we already have a problem with people having these incomplete pictures of who they are because they've taken things from outside them and they've internalized them as their own experiences, not realizing they've done this. This is only going to amplify that even more, which it, – Yeah, it, it, no, but we'll why, why are we Kung assuming Fu. that we
0: have the delusion that we're not going to be like Tuesday I can't do a backhand spring, Wednesday I get the upgrade – Thursday, I automatically believe I was training at five o'clock in the morning with my Romanian gymnastics instructor yeah, of you well, childhood. Maybe, you know, maybe like, I mean, like maybe that, you'll have
2: that awkward moment where you're talking to a loved one and you're like, well, it's just like my Shaolin master said, oh, no, wait, that was an upload. Yeah. Like, I already have that where it's like I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, well, it's like I one of my teachers. Oh, no, 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 wait, that was that was in a book. Area. Oh, no, wait, no, no that, was okay, right. yeah. so that was
0: Andrew's right. Yeah.
1: That was Andrew's
2: life.
1: So here's the thing then, gentlemen is that what you're telling me is that one you're okay with that which is fine two we already experience it which we accept and the implication of this then is that we're accepting the idea that our personalities will become these composite personalities from these experiences. They
2: already are. They already are. Yeah, I'm actually dude. with Brian on this one. Totally. So
1: imagine the 30th or the 40th implant, the memory. You know, you're like,
0: oh, I'm I'm going to learn how you to speak. You
2: mean the 30th or 40th book I read? Yeah, I do remember that. Go ahead. Keep keep telling me about it.
0: Yeah. And by the way, by that point, we've gotten two free. Uh, if you guys kept your how,
1: cards How with often... You. How often do you confuse the books you read for your own experiences? <laughs> no, no, that's time, his point. Dude. That that
0: we'll have this firewall. That even if even if these are yeah. more immersive experiences and they implant these crazy memories uh, to trick our brain into feeling like we have done this, we'll still keep some level of a firewall. Or we are all
2: built to understand the difference between fantasy and reality. I can think back to some of the best books I've ever read, and I see these places and I remember these characters and situations, but I also know there's the cognitive dissonance that makes it very clear that there's no way that, that I know that didn't happen to me. Well, the, the problem as I see it is that
1: it's one thing when we process this stuff from books and how we get handle this and we have all these experiences are show, associated with how we acquire that information. When you talk about this technology and for it to be its most effective, you start putting it into different parts of the brain. In psychology, there's a term, you know, the term is confabulation and the idea that you take these external experiences didn't happen to you, internalize them to the point they are just as vividly real to you, even though they never took place. And this is a thing that we all probably have some of these confabulated experiences for us. It's one thing to say, Oh yeah, that was a book, but when you like literally when you have vivid, vivid memories of that Shaolin monastery where you studied Kung Fu.
2: Yeah, well that does happen. Becomes- and and again, that's that's not the new. We already have that. Yeah, but that's, uh, I'm Elizabeth also going to have memories
0: right. of picking my nose in the seventh grade when I obviously wasn't training Kung Fu. Like, that's the thing. is There's got to be some no, reconciliation no, 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 but, but he, in my mind of, but, like, I have memories doing this, like and I have memories doing that. Andrew is
2: right. Elizabeth Loftus did one experiment with, a uh, like, a young kid named Chris. And what they did is they took four stories that actually happened to him as a child, and they added one fifth story that never occurred. And they laid them all out, and they said, uh, you know, rate these. Which are the ones that they – they said, these are the five stories that happened in your childhood. Over the next few weeks, I want you to write down any memories that pop in your mind, anything you remember about any of these experiences. And one of them was a totally fake story about being lost at the mall when he was a kid. And over the the next few weeks, he convinced himself. He's like, oh, don't you remember? You were lost at the mall, and then that nice lady came up, and she found you, and you were really scared, and then we got you back to your parents. And then by the time – by the end of the experiment – they said, listen, kiddo, uh, one of these did not – they say, first of all, rate these in numbers of how sure you are they happened to how unsure you are they happened. And it was – in Lost at the Mall was one of the top ones he remembered. They said, listen, one of these did nev- never happen to you at all. Which one was it? And he actually said one of the actual memories, one of the things that did happen to him, he wrote down as being, well, that that must not have happened, rather than believe that he was never lost at the mall when he was a kid. So it's like this is already, this is nothing new. This is a story. You're
1: situation absolutely right. We have. Brian, you're absolutely right. They've done they've done that sort of implantation of memories with kids about, you know, having telling them stories about remember that time you broke your arm, we took you to the hospital. You do this like with a kid four times. By the fourth time, they'll give you details, they'll make them up. They did. I think Loftus did this too. Yeah, they did I a want you They put to a shut thing. Shut
0: up. up about the goddamn they, well, arm <laughs>
1: They put a uh, they put a item in a newspaper. They said, "Hey, we're looking for people to talk about their experiences as a kid and seeing Bugs Bunny at Disneyland." And they got a ton of people. Are like, "Oh, I remember this vivid experiences when they met Bugs Bunny at Disneyland." And obviously, these people know nothing of trademark, but <laughs> it's it's that's where my. Again, I I don't necessarily oppose it, but I think the implications for this are a lot bigger than we think because of like as you pointed out by research by people like Elizabeth Loftus and other things. We realize that these things can be really really deep rooted into us and become components of our personality, whether we realize it or not.
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, at least here's this the thing way, we'll the
1: thing.
2: know.
0: Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Brian, please.
2: I was going to say, at least this way we know it's uniform. It's like, hey, this time I was studying with the Shaolin monk, and me was like, dude, I took that same program. Oh, that's right. Or, you know, you can tag it. You can put something specific into the memory where it's like, and he pulled out the red butterfly, and the red butterfly is the code. We're like, oh, that's right. That was a red <laughs> butterfly production. Never mind. I-,
1: I looked in the mirror at my Nubian visage.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's... Uh, well, I mean, oh, if, if there's...
1: Dude, uh... Well, here's my point though, I'm gonna my point, I don't have a point, I just only have questions, is does it matter at that point? Forty years from now, does it matter? Does it matter if it's your experience or not? If we accept the idea that we can become these composites and we can have these vivid vid experiences, we're transplanted from one person's brain to our own.
0: No, okay. no, because any technology we've ever come up with, as vital and uh society changing as it is. There are two things that are always constant. Number one, in this uh, period of escalation, they will always happen. And number two, we're going to get bored with it. It's just going to assimilate as part of our culture and we're just going to get used to it. And either our, you know, if you scientifically chart how our brains handle certain experiences, maybe that becomes a bit more of a turbulent process. But will it be something shocking that will kind of uh, tear the fabric of society? I got a hard time believing it.
2: I'm totally with you, dude. Just Robert Young, I agree.
1: Charles Fort collected all sorts of interesting, weird, weird, weird things. And flipping just almost randomly in this book, I come to a section from his book, Wild Talents. Sometime in the year 1867, a fishing smack, which I guess is a boat, sailed from Boston. One of the sailors was a Portuguese. And I like how it was a Portuguese, not Portuguese.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a Don Rickles
1: joke. It gets better. Gets better. Who called himself James Brown?
0: Really? <laughs> Godfather.
1: Two of the crew were missing and were searched for. The captain went into the hold. He held up his lantern and saw the body of one of these men in the clutches of Brown, who was hey! sucking blood Hit from me. it. <laughs> I repeat. The hardest
2: working vampire sl- show business. Go ahead.
1: Nearby was the body of the other sailor. It was bloodless. Brown was tried, convicted, and sentenced to be hanged, but President Johnson commuted the sentence to life imprisonment. In October 1892, the vampire, not the alleged vampire, not the vampire, <laughs> they put the name Brown in quotes, but they, it just it states the vampire was transferred from the Ohio Penitentiary to the National Asylum, Washington, D.C., and his story was retold in the newspapers, which I'm going to try and find some accounts for this, and if we can, we'll put a link up with this podcast.
2: Let me tell you, dude, I just can't believe that he did not get outed from office for his pro-vampire agenda. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Can you imagine
0: that story on Dig? You know, clear evidence of the pro-vampire agenda (laughs) from President Johnson.
1: Well, he had a, uh, a very uh, controversial administration, apparently, and this is just one more reason why. I'm going to try and find this, but it was retold in newspapers such as the Brooklyn Eagle. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> The bastion of good
0: exactly. programming. When, I want, when Ottawa... I want all of my vampire news, I go to one source, the Brooklyn Another Eagle. Another one.
1: Ottawa Free Press, September 17, 1910. That, near the town of Galanza, Portugal, a child had been found dead in a field. The corpse was bloodless. The child had been seen last with a man named Salvary. He was arrested and confessed that he was a vampire. And then it goes on with more and more vampire stories, but I like the fact that the first two all involve a Portuguese... Yeah, I was
0: going to say, and if there's one place where I know that I is on the front lines of Portuguese vampires, it's the Ottawa Sun. <laughs>
1: Gentlemen, I leave you with that thought, and I like the idea. Can we just call something a vampire if they drink somebody's blood? Oh,
0: I do now. I I just call anybody. People cut me off in traffic. (laughs) Ex-girlfriends.
2: Anyone with the name starting with a Z. (laughs) The vampire named James Brown. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Jump back. Suck the blood out of myself. I like to imagine, like, he's trying to walk off the ship or wherever, and uh, they're trying to put, like, the big Dracula cape over him, and he turns back around. (laughs) Gentlemen,
1: thank you for exploring these different scenarios and sharing with us your points of view. It's been weird. It
0: certainly has.